I now can sing since I've been redeemed. I'm on the everlasting, everlasting rock. I faith in Christ, my Redeemer King. I'm on the everlasting, everlasting rock. This is the voice of hope. Then roll, roll, billows roll. I'm on the everlasting rock of ages. Roll, roll, billows roll. I'm on the everlasting rock. All of us face circumstances in life that can cause discouragement. We know that from our experience. We had expectations, perhaps, about how God would meet our need, and lo and behold, it turns out very differently. In that situation, do we push through and persist, or do we give up? My faith has found a resting place, not in a man-made creed. I trust the ever-living one that he for me will plead. Enough for me that Jesus saves, it sends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul I come to him, he will not cast me out. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and rose again for me. My soul is resting on the Word, the living Word of God. Salvation in my Savior's name, salvation through His blood. I need no other argument, I need no other Enough that Jesus died and rose again for me. The great physician heals the sick, the lost he came to save. For me his precious blood he shed, for me his life he gave. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and rose again for me. Thank you, men, for reminding us of the importance of finding a place of rest in Jesus. And thank you for joining me on The Voice of Hope as we continue our study in the Gospel of Mark. I'm J. Mark Horst, your friend and Bible teacher. This program, The Voice of Hope, is produced by Heralds of Hope. We're an international media ministry sharing the gospel around the world in English and 25 other languages. And two of those languages are in Ethiopia, Amharic and Oromo. Ethiopia is a country in East Africa that suffers from periodic terrorist attacks from a militant Islamist group called Al-Shabaab. They're aligned with Al-Qaeda. And of course, those who follow Christ are a special target of their hatred. Our broadcasts share teaching from the scripture designed particularly to encourage believers 
and to help them grow in their walk of faith. Here's a testimony from a listener to our Amharic programs. It is my joy to let you know that your radio program is so refreshing to my spiritual life. Such coherently organized teaching of the scripture is a great help to me and a guide to my growth in the Christian faith. It has been of much encouragement and has helped me to go forward in my stewardship in the kingdom of God. Thank you for this creative and attractive radio program. Now one thing that this listener did not mention, but many listeners do, is that they wish the program were longer. It's only 15 minutes. They would like it to be 30 minutes. You know, it's a wonderful privilege to be a tool God uses to bless and encourage others. And this listener's thanks belongs at least in part to each of you who pray and give to make the international ministry of Heralds of Hope possible. Your investment, your involvement, has enriched this listener's life. God bless you. Another aspect of the ministry of Heralds of Hope is Bible distribution. In 2023, we distributed more than 100,000 copies of the scripture in more than two dozen languages. Tony High, who is our executive director, was in Guinea-Bissau in West Africa at the end of last year to help with Bible distribution in that country. In cooperation with another ministry working in that area, we sent a sea container of Bibles, about 14,000 copies, to this small country. The language there is Portuguese Creole, and Bibles in that language are very scarce. And so Tony returned from that trip really excited about what God is doing in that region of the world and how we were able to help by supplying those Bibles. I plan to interview him about that trip so you can hear more of his report and be blessed. So make sure you don't miss that in the coming weeks. Right now, I encourage you to get your Bible in hand or open the app on your phone so you can follow along with me as I read our text in a few moments. In this episode of our study from Mark's Gospel, we'll be looking at Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Most of us who have lived more than 20 or 30 years can look back over our lives and see the results of some of the decisions we made. Some decisions were good, and they brought us blessing. Others were not so good, and they brought us trouble and pain. You know, that's the experience of all of us as human beings. Like you, I've made decisions in the past that have brought me great joy and blessing. And I've made others that I'd like to go back and change. But I can't. It's not possible. That's not the way life works. I've also met people who continually beat themselves up over the poor decisions they made in the past. I feel sorry for them. I've seen people whose childhood was turbulent, even traumatic, and they put that all behind them and they became well-adjusted adults. I've seen others who have experienced far less turbulence and they get stuck in the trap of constantly looking back and reliving the past. Some of them become bitter, reactionary, and even emotionally unstable. They're always blaming other people for their troubles. It's really a sad thing to watch, especially when you know it can be different. Jesus has the ability to redeem and to restore what has been broken. He has the power to forgive and the power to heal. That's the focus of our study from Mark chapter 2 and verses 1 to 12. Jesus uses the healing of a paralyzed man to show us how our decisions impact our own lives and our relationship with him. 
So I invite you to follow along now as I read the scripture. And as I read, see if you can pick out the decisions that were made and how they impacted those who made them. Here is Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Now before we get into our study, let me give you just a bit of the context. In the end of the previous chapter, Jesus was teaching in the synagogues throughout the cities of Galilee, and he was casting out demons. In the course of his ministry, he was approached by a leper who had asked him for cleansing. And Jesus healed the man, and he told him to go show himself to the priest and make the appropriate offering for his cleansing. And then he warned him not to tell anyone what had happened to him. Well, that former leper disregarded Jesus' command, and the resulting attention prevented Jesus from openly entering the towns of the area. Now, in this account of the healing of the paralytic, the text shows us how our decisions impact our life and our relationship with him. The three decisions we observe in this text are an act of faith, a question of unbelief, and a demonstration of authority. So the first decision we see that impacts our life and our relationship with the Lord is an act of faith. The opening of our text has Jesus returning home to Capernaum from the other parts of Galilee. And when the word got out that Jesus was back home, a crowd gathered. That's not surprising, is it? In fact, the crowd grew so large that there was no room in the house. There wasn't even room in the doorway. Interestingly, the Greek uses a double negative to intensify the meaning. This house was packed full and the street outside was full too. There was not no more room for anyone. Now, I know that's not correct English, but that's the sense. This place was full, as full as it could be. Now, keep that scene in your mind and add in what happens next. Several men are bringing a paralyzed man to Jesus. Four of them are carrying him on some kind of bed, maybe just a sleeping mat, and they're holding on to each of the four corners. They evidently believed that Jesus could heal their friend. 
and so their carrying him to Jesus was an act of faith. Picture them turning the last corner into the street where the house was where Jesus was teaching. I can imagine that maybe an audible groan escaped one of them, and their shoulders sagged a little bit in disappointment as they saw the crowd. Coming closer, they realized there was no way they were going to be able to penetrate that dense throng of people. If you had been them, what would you have done? Well, to their credit, they didn't give up. I don't know how far they had already carried this man, but they weren't going to let a crowd of people stymie their plan. Knowing the town, they most likely took a back alley or a side street to the rear of the house, and houses of that era often had an outside stairway to the roof, so people could enjoy the cool of the morning or the evening up there. So up they went, and they must have been somewhat familiar with the layout of the place too because they knew just where to uncover the roof in order to let their friend down in front of Jesus. But you know, to uncover the roof wasn't a matter of just removing some thatch. These roofs were often made of small logs laid across the outside walls of the house, and then smaller branches and grass or reeds were laid across them for the next layer. And then on top of that, there was a layer of clay tramped down over everything and then hardened by the heat of the sun. So it must have taken considerable effort to make an opening large enough for these men to let their friend down without dumping him off his pallet. Now imagine Jesus teaching in the house, jammed full of people, with the religious leaders sitting close by and the crowd overflowing out into the street. And all of a sudden, little bits of dust and debris start falling from the ceiling overhead. And then bigger pieces of dirt and debris begin to fall. And daylight appears above Jesus as the men enlarge that opening in the roof. By now, the hole is quite large, and there are several heads silhouetted against the sky. And then, suddenly, the light disappears for a few moments as the hole is filled with a bed. As the crowd watches in stunned silence, the bed slowly descends to the point where they see that there's a man lying on it, and his friends continue to lower him until the bed rests on the ground right in front of Jesus. The decision these men made was an act of faith, and it had incredible results. Jesus knew the effort it took for them to place this man before him, and so he responded to their faith. He said, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now I believe that all of the five men involved in this were stunned by Jesus' statement. They had brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus for physical healing, but Jesus pronounced him forgiven of his sins. But remember, at this point, he is still lying on his bed. Let's just leave further discussion of Jesus' statement until later in our study. What I want us to be sure to catch is the decision to act in faith and how it impacted their lives. There are circumstances that you and I face in life that can cause discouragement. We all know that from our experiences. Maybe we had expectations about how God would meet our need, and lo and behold, it turned out very differently. So do we push through and persist like these men did, or we just give up, say, what's the use? Sometimes people discourage us too. They say things like this, you know, things will never change, so just forget it. But we don't have to listen to them. 
it's much better to listen to the promises God has given to us, like Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God rewards those who come to him in faith just like these men did. What circumstances are you facing right now that call for an act of faith on your part? Will you believe or will you give up? But in this scene, there were spoilers in the crowd, and that leads us to the next decision and its impact. The next decision we see is a question of unbelief. There were scribes in this crowd. Who were these men, and why were they there? Well, their primary duty was to know and preserve the law and to lead the people. They were also responsible for teaching and interpreting the law, and they also handled all kinds of legal matters of that day. But sadly, by Jesus' time, they had added a multitude of extra traditions to their teaching. Their man-made rules actually hindered the people from knowing God. Sometimes their rules even went against the commands of Scripture. And they were threatened by Jesus' popularity and their loss of prestige. Remember what the people had said earlier, that Jesus taught with authority and not like the scribes? So they were there to find fault with Jesus' teaching. His popularity had aroused their jealousy. When Jesus pronounced forgiveness of sins for the paralytic, immediately they began to judge him. Why does this man speak like that? It's blasphemy. No one can forgive sins but God. Now, if you recall the text, they didn't give voice to their thoughts. But their faces must have indicated what they were thinking, and Jesus instantly recognized their thoughts in his own spirit. These men were rejecting Jesus as the Son of God. They knew the law and the prophets. They studied them. And they knew that when Messiah came, he would exercise the kind of powers that they were seeing in front of them. But because Jesus came in a way that was different from what they expected, and because he didn't try to fit into their system, they rejected him. And you know, today, many reject Jesus because he doesn't fit their preconceived ideas. Or maybe he doesn't fit their plans or their lifestyle. Everyone is free to make their own decision about Jesus. But think about the impact it will have on their life, present and future. If you reject Jesus like these scribes did, I can tell you based on the authority of God's word, it will not end well for you. So far, we've looked at two differing decisions, an act of faith and a question of unbelief. And those lead us to the final decision, which is a demonstration of authority. Immediately, Jesus fully understands in his spirit what these men are thinking. And so he asks them a question. Why do you reason this way in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, pick up your mat, and walk? Do you see what Jesus was doing here? If someone's sins are forgiven, you can't immediately see the evidence of that because it's something that's happening on the inside first. But for this man to get up and pick up his mat and walk away was instantly visible. It was undeniable evidence that a miracle had taken place and no ordinary man could make either of those possibilities happen. This was a demonstration of Jesus' 
authority. In fact, he spells it out for them. He said, you question what I'm doing, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. In essence, Jesus was saying to the scribes, I have the power to heal physically, and I have the power to forgive sins. The fact that I can heal this man physically demonstrates my power to forgive his sins. And so at Jesus' command, the paralytic got up, picked up his mat, and he walked out in full view of everyone in that crowd. I can imagine the crowd was stunned and maybe momentarily silent, parting to let him walk through them to the door and out into the street. But I can also imagine that silence didn't last long because the text says they were all amazed and began to praise God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Jesus made the decision to demonstrate his authority and he is still the same today as he was back then. He's ready and willing to forgive and to heal. He has the authority to do both. But remember, the healing of this man's body, though it was a great miracle, was only temporary, because eventually his body would wear out and he would die. In contrast, the forgiveness of his sins had an eternal impact. His choices to exercise faith and obedience to Jesus' command changed his life. And I assume it changed the lives of his friends, too, forever. Conversely, the decision of unbelief by the scribes impacted their forever, too. Unless they changed their mind and embraced Jesus as Messiah, and we know later some of them did, their near future and their eternal future would be negatively impacted. So I close with a few questions. Have you allowed Jesus to demonstrate his authority in your life? Are you acting in faith or unbelief? Now, I can't guarantee that Jesus will heal your physical disability, but I can guarantee you this, that if you come to him in an act of faith, he will forgive your sins and make you completely whole.
Yes, Jesus is just the same today as he was for the paralyzed man in our text way back there. I hope you have found forgiveness and healing in him. If you'd like to review this teaching or share it with someone, you can request a copy. It's available either in print or as a digital audio file. Just ask for it by its title, Jesus Forgives and Heals. Now the easiest way for you to contact us is to use our email address, hope at heraldsofhope.org. Or pick up your phone and call us toll free at 866-960-0292. Or mail your request to The Voice of Hope, Box 3, Breezewood, Pennsylvania, 15533. And of course, you can review today's teaching or listen to archived programs just by logging onto our website, heraldsofhope.org, at your convenience. If you'd like to help this ministry financially, you can send a check by mail, or you can donate securely online at our website, heraldsofhope.org. You can also call our toll-free number, 866-960-0292, to donate via credit or debit card. God's grace, accompanied by your fervent prayers and your generous financial support, will enable the voice of hope to be on the air until Jesus comes in the air. And thank you so much to all of you who contributed so generously to our year-end appeal for Bibles. God bless you. Now don't forget to join me next week for the Voice of Hope as we continue our study in Mark's Gospel. And until we meet again, is this your testimony? Forgiven says it all. There's no way to explain how a sinner like me could become a child of the King. There's no way I can tell how I could be poor, yet have riches beyond my dream. I can describe God's mercy to me when I stumble and fall. The more I try, With their hands lifted high in the midst of suffering and pain. How can they praise the Lord with their dying breath as they whisper His precious name? I wonder why there's love in their hearts and such peace in their souls. 
it's cause they've heard love's sweetest word for even say One word.